Hello, everybody, and welcome to Not a Real Veteran, episode 16.6. I think that's right. That sounds right. Perhaps. I have here with me my good friend, James McGill. Um, Jimmy! Jimmy! Good to see you, Jim. Good to see you. Good to see you, Will. You don't often go by James, Mr. James McGill Esquire. Esquire. Oh, thanks so much, dude. uh, Good to see you on the show. And I'm glad for once I picked up on it without having to think about it for five minutes. Um, Let's get started with some fantastic ad reads. I know, right? Seriously, Jenny. I was kind of on time tonight. Actually, I was still late. That's why we're late. Sorry about that. But anyway, let's get to it. You can find us on Twitch, Facebook for now, standing by on that, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Twitter, Anchor, and Spotify, and hopefully soon Twitter will change its name to Musker, and we can all be free there and see what a libertarian society might look like. Come and seek us where our voices sound. We cannot sing above the ground. An hour long you'll have to look to recover what we took. No, I was going to – I've been planning on doing that for the Royal Green, which uh, – but like last week, you weren't on for the ad reads, so I wasn't able to do it. And uh, because the Royal Green series is the only one I would plagiarize Harry Potter for, but uh, it looks like they're not a sponsor anymore. What? Yeah, um, I, I looked back and I looked in the in our group chat to see if that was indeed a thing, and uh, I didn't see anything about it either way. But uh, regardless, someone who is still a sponsor is James Toyer who is running for office in the pretty great state of Kentucky. And uh, as you can see here from his uh, little promo poster, he's really into people, all right, like a lot of libertarians. He puts people over politics. He believes in people helping people. He believes in people donating to his campaign at Toyer for KY.com, T-O-L-L-E-R-4-K-Y.com. And that is the number four, folks. Another fantastic libertarian candidate right now is Chris By for Alaska's congressman because they only have one. What a competitive freaking race. Mm. But we've got Chris By running for Congress. We've got Sean Thorne running for Senate. Alaska is a very lucky state this year. And you can find Chris at itstimealaska.com. Donate to his campaign. He is seriously the epitome of an average guy trying to make a difference in the world. So definitely give him a shout out. And we also have notarealpodcast.com where you can find merchandise mm-hmm. with my face and our words and things that we've come up with. Some of them terrible, some of them good. And you can also go to Redemption Tactical. And Jenny will post a link in the comments, possibly. She's pretty reliable about that, but I don't know how she does it. it seems like a lot of typing. I think we have more merch on uh, Proud Libertarian. And there is a .com after that. So, uh, but yeah, fresh merchandise. Can I, I'm going to check this out right now while we're live on the air because uh, I haven't seen these yet. Yeah, check it out. I'm, I'm, I don't know how to feel about Proud Libertarian yet. I've had a lot of people work with them, but after the, uh, you know, after knowing how much it costs, oh shit. All right, I'm a fan. I already like it. <laughs> they've got, they've done a good job. It's mostly our stuff, but they put the Not a Real Libertarian logo on it and the actual yeah. words. Unlike yeah. Mr. Bootleg, who just uses the logo, and then nobody knows what it's for. Nobody connects it to our podcast. So, good job, Proud Libertarian. Kentucky is better than a pretty good state. Oh! Is this your cousin? That's cool. Yeah, that is my cousin. Yeah, he's uh, not a real veteran also. Um, yeah. I didn't know. He watched. How did he find out about this? I think my mom found out about it recently. I guarantee you she put it on the group text. Guarantee you that's what happened. Oh. I cannot wait. Well, that explains the two followers today, then, the two viewers. That makes perfect sense. It's your mom and Tom. Yeah, you're probably Thanks for right. being here, Tom. I'm sorry you're related to Braxton. I want to hear all the stories of his childhood. Well, right. hey, check this out. Tom was, uh, he lived in Kaiserslautern. Nein, wirklich. Das ist cool. Well, Sehr yeah, he lived over there. I don't know that you'd speak German to him. He's the one, um, he, uh, he lives over in Kentucky. Uh, I think it's more or less like a suburb of Louisville. Okay. And uh, uh, he's excuse you, Louisville. That's what I said. You said Louisville. You said Louisville. I said Louisville. 
um, but it's basically something over that. But uh, they have like uh, a pretty uh, decent like German population over there. It seems like because uh, I think I remember seeing him going to like Oktoberfest celebrations there. And then like a couple years ago, like just like the year after we got back, he uh, I saw a picture and I was like, dude, that looks like the Oktoberfest from Munich. That's so wild. No, he was in Munich. He like he actually went to the real one, and I was like, oh, it's crazy. But that he was sense. a yeah, he was a Cav Scout, a uh, retired police officer. His wife is running for judge uh, right now. So, uh, yeah, very dope. Dope is the right yeah. word. Well, good to know that you have some uh, German relatives out in the. I have a lot of relatives out in the Louisville area as well. So, it's a good place. Maybe we could go out there, take a trip, see our relatives someday. Yeah, it's a good plan. So, dude, I don't even know where to freaking begin this week. Inflation's at 8.5%. Uh, I think it's higher than that. It broke it's double high. digits. Yeah. Well, double digits when it counted for uh, the price of goods. That was by Cohen said. I didn't Perhaps. read that post in its entirety, so I only glimpsed at it. Gotcha. Well, um, I, I know that you did see for a fact that it's because of the war in Ukraine. So uh, at, least it's, war in at Ukraine, least it wasn't guys. caused by anyone over here. Biden had nothing to do with it. The trillions of dollars and spending had nothing to do with it. And she's libertarian AF. That's what's up. Hell yeah. A libertarian judge is a freaking rarity and an important thing to have because judges have a lot of power. So anyway, back to inflation and the economy crashing. Um, Do you think that the average person actually thinks this is just Ukraine or do you think they can connect the dots? Dude, I don't know. Uh, I told you used to a few years ago, I was kind of I could speak normie very well. Uh, We talked about stuff all the time and I'd give you the normie take. Uh, I couldn't, even if I wanted to now, like I literally can't, I have no idea what the average person thinks. Um, I think they've got their head pretty far in the sand. So whatever they think, I don't think it really matters, but I saw someone on Twitter and it's not anyone I follow and I don't know their political affiliation necessarily, but, uh, they were saying that, uh, it's, you know, Trump's fault because it's just so, you know, Biden's not been in long enough. So uh, if inflation is still this bad, like a year from now, then we can blame it on Biden. But otherwise, but I think we all know it's actually been every president since Bush mainly. Well, I mean, it depends on how far back you want to go. I think the last time we had a balanced budget was like the first quarter of uh, Bush W. Bush's presidency. No, no, Bill. No, there wasn't any debt the whole time Clinton was president. Really? Yeah. It was like the first quarter into Bush's after Clinton uh, that we started racking up debt. And then obviously the war in Iraq and all that. And uh, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But technically, uh, it did it. You have to be a lot more specific than it because he did lots of things for lots of years. Um, Too many things. Too many years. But you could go all the way back to when we got on the gold standard uh, or got off the gold standards pretty bad. Um, So, yeah, whenever you you actually want to put it, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does go back further than Biden. But the fact that we've printed 80% of the currency that we've ever printed in the last, like, 28 months is definitely 90% of the problem. It's funny how those two things are so interconnected, though, right? Because leaving the gold standard all of a sudden shifts our understanding of value from being something concrete or at least at least mostly concrete connected to something concrete to being completely perception. And so whenever you're not on the gold standard, it makes the national debt and the perceived value that much more important and essentially the perceived integrity of our economic system and financial system. And so um, without a balanced budget, without a gold standard, you essentially have a fiat currency that nobody believes in. Because nobody can actually see, you know, the working of its power and its validity and its, um, you know, responsibility. Um, dangerous combination. And here we are when our trust in that system and institution is probably more eroded than ever has been. And our distance from the gold standard is further than it's also ever been. For sure, man. And I mean, it is awful. I don't know. What was the... So I did... Oh, so one thing that I learned that was like kind of interesting, apparently... Uh... And I mean, again, this doesn't make up for it at all, but apparently whenever uh, we got off the gold standard, it was, uh, there were, man, I should, should have thought about this a little bit more because I don't know how to word it. Um, the price of oil per barrel on the global market is in dollars. And that was a condition we made whenever we, so it's kind of backed by something. And uh-huh. right now that's what Russia's doing to like all of Eastern Germany. Is that's they're truly making not them. a backing though. You know what I mean? That's not sure. a backing, but I know well, yeah, it's, it's connected yeah, it's, to something. Yeah, it's connected to something, which yeah. But uh, man, I learned about something recently. I don't know if you'll be able to tell. And you know why the, no, you can't tell at all. This is just a quarter. 
you, you know why it has those ridges around it? I've always wondered, but no. Um, it's because back in the day, like obviously a quarter is a quarter of a dollar, but like all coins, um, well, people would shave off the ends of them and, you know, they'd shave off the ends of all their quarters and melt them uh, for the silver. <clears throat> and now there's, you know, there's like 0% silver, you know what I mean? It's made out of, uh, I can't remember, one of the coins has like the most amount of nickel in it or something, and it's actually worth the most technically. But uh, no, the quarter is actually kind of worthless as far as what it's made out of. But they started uh, pressing those ridges into the edge. So if a quarter was smooth, you could tell that somebody had scraped off just yeah. trace amounts around it. But you see, whenever they switched the material, they still kept the ridges to give the illusion that it's real money, that it's actually worth something. But it is not. Damn. Okay. That's good to freaking know. I've been thinking a lot about those things lately, like the relationship of gold and silver and stuff. And they also used to bite gold coins, you know, to leave an imprint in them. I was talking to my brother about that the other day. Yeah. But I did not know that about the ridges. So that's good to know. Um, you know, there's actually a nickel. I think the last coin that really had silver in it, I think there's some quarters like older than the 60s that do. And then the nickels from World War II have silver in them. And I want to say it was something like Germany was importing most of our nickel or something like that. Or whoever it was, World War II interrupted our nickel supply. So if you can find a nickel from like 39 to like 45, they're usually made of silver or more silver at least. And you can tell them because they have the mint on top of Monticello instead of within it, which like most of them do. It's very obviously different. And it feels and looks different too. It's super cool though. I have a few of them. Um, I have a dollar bill from 1935. Let's see it. Oh, well, my camera's not that good, so it kind of loses a lot of the shit. Yeah. Wow. But, it, you know, it says silver certificate on the top. It's awesome. And, you know, I learned about that, you know, back in the day, whenever, you know, that's literally all your paper money was, was a receipt for gold or silver in the bank. You could go to any bank or treasury or even like a pawn shop, something like that. Um, and you could exchange your paper money for gold like certain places like if you went to a u.s treasury and you had a hundred dollars worth of gold they were kind of like required by law to give you a hundred dollars worth of gold whatever gold was going for that day and that fluctuates you know a tiny 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 bit but not very much not much no i was reading about um in during grover cleveland's reign or maybe it was roosevelt i'm reading a book about seven different presidents right now it jumps through them so it's kind of hard for me to remember exactly who's who um but somebody i think it was cleveland under cleveland they did this thing where they made the government it was definitely cleveland he was cool he was a democrat by the way but very fiscally conservative he would not fit the definition of a democrat today republicans were more socialized back then Um, but they attached silver to gold at a fixed rate of 16 to 1. so essentially 16 pounds of silver equaled one pound of gold or ounce, you know, or whatever. Um, didn't matter. But the problem was since that value did fluctuate, eventually it changed and the actual like perceived value was like 17 to one. So then the government was just getting ripped off. So the government was paying everybody or it was less. They were giving people more silver than the gold was worth. So for every, basically they would get all this money for in silver and then they'd save one piece of silver. And if they did the transaction 15 times, they got a free mm-hmm. ounce every single time. Yep. So they had to, they had to obviously fix that bill once they worked it out, but it just shows the problem of price fixing. Like if mm-hmm. price fixing doesn't work in that simple of an environment, it's not going to work in like healthcare or any major system that has even more complexity and more entropy. Um, but I thought that was really fascinating that our, they were that stupid. Like they literally like, we're giving people like a free scam to just fuck over the government and take our money for a while. That is, dude. Do you remember? I think it was Wendy's. Have you heard the story of, I think it was Wendy's came out with a, <clears throat> excuse me. They came out with a third pounder uh, cheeseburger, a third pounder hamburger patty to compete okay. with McDonald's quarter pounder. But okay. um, it was an absolute flop. Americans refused to buy it because they thought a third pounder was uh, smaller than a quarter pounder. No shit. I've heard that. I think from you. I, I don't, maybe it's, it might be an urban legend. It might be completely false, but also I saw a post on Reddit. That was pretty funny. It was a guy that worked at McDonald's said that they used to give out, um, you know, these little tokens, these little coins for free Big Mac. Like if they messed up your order or something like that, like Sonic is the same thing for like a free medium drink. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just like a little coupon but it's for a Big Mac. And he was like, you know, well, I'm taking, you know, econ 101, you know, I'm a college freshman taking economy and we're learning about like the value of money. But like, so like since our money's not backed by anything,
thing, but these tokens are backed by Big Macs. Does that mean it's technically like more stable, like a better currency than the U.S. dollar? Yeah, not only a better yes, currency, yes, it it's appreciated significantly. Dude, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's actually I, I like that because that's a good one to like explain to people, like your normie friends, people who don't understand the economy very well. Uh, not that you? I. Not yeah, not that I understand the economy well at all by any means, but just the concept of yeah having a backing to your money—that's a pretty good one, pretty good anecdote. That's the that you just epitomized the evil of fiat currency in pretty much one concept. Because the problem is, we always want money, our money, to be appreciating. Always, we never want our money to be depreciating. And we've lived in a modern world where our money has depreciated for our entire lifetime, for the most part. Some subtle ebbs and flows, but for the most part, it's a steady decline of, of value. But whenever money appreciates, it means that the people who already earned it are growing in value, but it has absolutely no effect on the people who haven't earned it yet. So if you're a poor person and you're going to earn money tomorrow, whether it appreciates or depreciates, doesn't matter to you if it's your first $10, right? That's your first $10. It matters how it buys things on the market. But as long as that money is appreciating, it means we're always going to be in a better place tomorrow than we are today. If you're poor today, that money is going to get more valuable. And whoever's starting in the workforce and starting their savings account you know, tomorrow will be one day behind you. It's not like that. The more and more unvaluable our money becomes, not invaluable, not valuable, um, you know, the harder a struggle, the basically the more um, bottom of the barrel we're pulling from in the in the world of this collective value. Um, and it's terrible, which makes silly is why people have been suffering more and more, why more and more people are living in poverty and why even people who don't fit the definition of poverty are struggling to like everyone's living paycheck to paycheck in America for the most part. I mean, of course, a lot of people aren't, but people, millennials and like Gen Z and stuff, a lot of people live in paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. um, so and that's terrible because the way it should work if your money appreciated is that everybody would have a better and better chance at getting by each day. And it's the exact opposite of that. Yeah, true. So when people talk about MMT and monetary money, monetary policy and UBI, tell them that shit, you know, like it's, it sounds nice until you understand how terrible that is for people in the future. It just basically turns our economy into a funnel and someone's going to reach that end eventually. Damn. Well, on that note, dude, it seems like we forgot something. Just our ads have changed. Our sponsors have changed so much. It feels like we're forgetting stuff. Kind of agree. Luckily, yeah. we're not. I mean, we, we covered our bases. But... Go to theroyalgreen.com. You can find them on Amazon. I refuse to stop advertising the Royal Green. <laughs> Go there I don't care if Jack Casey pays me. I don't care. Bootleg, you will have to pull me off this show if I'm going to stop. I support Royal Green. Dude, a friend of mine I saw recently, she started reading books on Switch for like an hour plus she'll stream just like reading books and i don't know how that works with like copywriting and stuff like that but um you better believe i will read the royal green for hours every day after school. Yeah. i mean work that really is a good idea man because it's cool to listen to books you know like it's like it's like paying that's like having the experience of your teacher reading to you after lunch in elementary school that yeah, shit was sure. bad what was your favorite kid's book favorite kids book um i don't remember dude i i you know i'm i was big into books when i was a kid i liked i don't think it wasn't my favorite i did enjoy hank the Cowdog books i did enjoy harry potter books when i was in second grade there was this little eyewitness uh book on egypt that i r really 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 liked um we were like i mean i like junie b jones i liked all the mainstream things cam jansen no what's that it's kind of like Junie B. Jones. It's about a girl who has a photographic memory and she solves crimes. Oh, no, not that one. Because of Cam Jensen. Um, what about, I liked uh, Holes, BFG, all the Roald Dahl books pretty much were awesome. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. Um, did you ever read Wait Till Helen Comes? No. It's a scary-ass kid's book about a ghost. A ghost Sounds girl. scary. It's fucking scary. But anyway, so... You saw the post on the Veteran Caucus about the Navy giving these bonuses till June, right? Yeah. What do you think about that? Do you think we are about to go to World War Three? Oh, well, are you talking to... So the post I was thinking of, and it might not have even been from the Veteran Caucus, but I thought the Navy was giving uh, bonuses, like their recruitment bonuses. Yeah. Like, hey, if you... Yeah, and then because people were kind of complaining uh, that, you know, that they would rather pay these quote-unquote unproven civilians you know these fifty thousand dollar enlistment bonuses rather than pay these like really good sailors to stay there 
true, right? People who who were vaccinated or who well, and you know, now so it doesn't I, matter. Yeah, does it not? Mm. By and large, everybody's kind of chilled out about it. Yeah, it doesn't matter in, in people's health. It doesn't matter in the oh. grand scheme of things. It still matters to the general. But that really just goes to show it was honestly a smart move on their part because that's a, those are dissenters. You Dude, know, and they want complete loyalty and they want people who just say yes to anything. They just found out how to make sure that they've got it. So I heard, and I, I actually did read this, but still doesn't mean it's all the way true. But Amazon has this policy where um, basically every employee, I don't think it's like written in a contract or anything like that, but it's hard to stay at Amazon for more than I want to say like five years. Like you really have to be like getting promotions and really big promotions because the Amazon workforce is on this philosophy of that like workers become like lazy and they become disgruntled, period. Huh. So like it's really – if you're an Amazon warehouse worker, I read it's very hard to stay because they do everything to push you out the door. And they give really good severance packages, but they uh, – but they're like – philosophy is that you know workers the longer they stay at a company the more disgruntled they get and the more lazy they get the more resentful and stuff like that and um so i mean i mean that's pretty true if you're just a uh if you're just a nine to five guy and uh and let, if it's not something you're really 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 passionate about I, I think there's a lot of truth to that and you know i don't necessarily think that trying to refresh your workforce every five years is the right answer but there still might be a lot of truth to that and that might be something a little bit similar with the military offering bonuses for people to join rather than offer retention bonuses gotcha i guess that's a fair point man um wow and honestly with the processes and stuff they have they kind of try to do that anyway don't they they're kind of always keep a way to kick people out in their back pocket yeah, dude, I don't, I don't fully understand it. I know, like, for the, you know, obviously, the branch I know the most about is the Coast Guard. I'm just kidding, it's the Air Force. But you know, they have, and it, it changes every year, so this might not be a thing anymore. But I, it is still a thing. They have a quota on how many people they have to kick out every year. Yeah, that's insane. They have retention boards. I had a friend um, at my first duty station who got a, an, uh, a prob- maybe an Article 15, maybe worse than that, because he got a DUI at his first base. And then a few years later, we're in Greenland together. And one day he's like out processing the base, and I got there before him. So I was like, how are you out processing? Like, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, I'm getting kicked out. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, how would you get in trouble? I don't know. But he's like, oh, no, this is the thing I got in trouble for like two years ago. Gee, He's like, I, yeah, I, I just that. met, I just met my retention board, and yeah, I'm getting kicked out. I was like, wow. So yeah, they have a they have a quota for how many people they need to kick out every year. I kind of remember that being a thing. I forgot about it, but I remember people getting into those kind of situations. Like a DUI wasn't automatically kicked out at first when we were first in, but it would take them some time to process it and decide. And then staff sergeants too. I had some people, you know, high tenure and uh, get kicked out for being staff sergeant too long. Dude, I never understood that at all. And I mean, like, maybe if you if you can, you know, higher tenure absolutely blew my mind because basically what you have is someone – it's whenever you're not making rank. If you're each rank has a certain amount of time, you know, how many years of service you're allowed to be in and still, you know, maintain that rank. And if you don't obtain the next rank, they kick you out. And it'll probably be like a general discharge. It won't be like – you know, it won't be anything too bad. But, you know, if you have a senior airman, which is an E4, um, that is, uh, you know, if – you have a senior airman that's been in for like 10, 11 years and they've not made staff sergeant. That seems like kind of like a good thing. Like you have a person with all this time in, they have all this job knowledge, but you get to pay them less. So why is that a bad thing for the military? They're, you have this, the same kind of worker, you know, granted, you know, assuming they don't have any sort of, you know, uh, you know, they don't have any sort of, uh, you know, reprimands, you know, like behavioral problems, stuff like that. But I mean, I would think that if somebody is putting like just a little bit of effort in, they should be able to make E6 in, in like 15 years. You know, I mean, that's a long, long time. You can study that test for a really long time. You can learn how to be a better leader that time period. So I get where they're coming from because, um, you know, yeah, when you're giving people those opportunities and they're not seizing them, you know, that's kind of just, I think, maybe characteristic of kind of an overall stagnance in their life. And you probably don't want somebody like that in a, in a successful organization, but I see where you're coming from too. I think that is really harsh um, for what the military is, but if it was a private corporation, I think that would make, make sense, you know, mm-hmm. but I see, I see what you're saying though, from an employee, like um, who's going to be the best person to fill these shoes. Yeah. 
but the thing is you want to make room for also for young staff sergeants to come through and have those opportunities and if you've got old salty staff sergeant who's been there for 10 years he's kind of just filling a place and kind of like keeping the air force old in a way hmm. yeah perhaps i bet dude honestly like i don't necessarily agree with that but honestly i bet that's a that's a bigger point for them than I was thinking of because you know how, you know, how they, how drastically they change the military every couple of years. So that probably is a big one because me personally, I didn't want to rank up uh, anytime soon. Um, security forces, one of the, whenever you become a staff sergeant, one of the first things that happens a lot of the time is they give you a desk because you have to do your seven level CDCs. Sure. So they give you a desk uh, so that they can watch you. You know what I mean? Uh, keep an eye on you, you know, you're studying done. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I heard that they don't most I think I think it depends on your career field, but I'm pretty sure like all the four career fields do not have to do CDCs anymore. Really? Yeah. Chief Master Sergeant in the Air Force, right. The last Chief Master Sergeant in the Air Force uh, did yeah. away with CDCs. So so wh- how do they learn their jobs Just on the job? They, they still have like after the Air Force training records, I, I suppose. But yeah, they do not have CDCs. And like Gage was still in at the time. And I think maybe Jack was too. I asked everybody that I knew that was still in. I think my friend Sam, you know, from Germany. Yeah. I asked oh, yeah. everybody like, hey, is this true or is this crazy internet stuff? No more CDCs. Like, oh, no, man, no more CDCs. It's like, what? That's amazing. Kind of, dude. I kind of almost went full boomer on them. I, uh, I kind of like my... Uh, CDC knowledge. I did not like studying them. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was uh, pretty stupid, but I liked. Did you pass the... your first time? Yeah, of course, dude. What did you get? Um, I didn't do very good. Um, I think I finished it in like 18 minutes, which was like a base record, but I did not do good at all. I passed. I think I don't know, dude. Any number I say will be a lie. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I, I remember. No, I don't. What did you do? 91. Oh, really? Yeah. What, I remember. I think on our what do they call it? EOI and basic training, the end of instruction. What'd you make on that one? I think I made like a 93 on mine and you made, what, like, Oh, then I didn't make a 93. I don't think. You know, I have, I wouldn't be surprised if you beat me in that. I missed some pretty easy questions. Though. I really expected to, I was really pissed that Hannon got top graduate for the whole thing. I really wanted that shit. But, well, that's what I was thinking of, dude. I was thinking of the time. Isn't it just because his run was like three or four seconds faster than yours? No, I, I beat him in the run. Oh, he beat, you beat, me beat him in the, the run? He had like a 96 on the EOI, and I had a 92. Yeah. I was really pissed off about it. But I beat him on the run, and he was a runner when he came in, and I wasn't. He was real pissed about that because I beat him by a, a lot. Okay, see, I remembered. I remembered it was one of the ways, and remember, Supan did not get top PT mail just because that one kid on that other flight he could run like a you know four minute mile. A gazelle, yeah. But yeah, he sure was. But Supan like demolished him on pull ups and sit ups and push ups. Yeah, Supan but was they... all around athlete, and that kid was a runner. Very different. Do you, do you remember the other guy on our flight? His name was a uh, Leaguer. Yes, dude. That the first time I saw him, he really like he. You know he was our age in basic training, right? Yeah, he, he looked old as shit. I know what you mean. <laughs> he was in his 40s. And the first time I saw him, he was running, you know, he was in PT gear like everybody else. And I thought, you know, he was, he didn't necessarily give me MTI vibes. But I was like, is this dude a chaplain? Or, like, who is this guy? And, uh, but yeah, because him and Supan, they, since they were the only people in the guard, they got there like a day after us. Right. So, did you ever hear like, if he successfully completed EOD? Do I what? Did you ever hear if he successfully got through EOD selection and stuff? I highly doubt it. I highly wow. doubt it. Wow. Oh, throwing shade. I, th- I hear that's a really hard one. I hear that they have to learn like a good amount of chemistry, and uh, I heard that's not an easy one to pass. Electronics. Yeah, elect- dude, yeah, electronics are supposed to be really hard. Yeah, no, I, I just – no, nothing against him. I bet he didn't make it through selection, though. Well, dude, I don't know. Like, personally, the uh, only EOD people I kind of not even worked with, but the only people like I was on a base with EOD was Ramstein. And um, none of them were superhuman, and there were a lot of females, so you know the standards must have been pretty low. So I'm saying if females can do it, Leaguer could probably have done it. Dude, I have a friend from Stillwater who used to be CCT, and I wouldn't call him a friend, more of an acquaintance. I've hung out with him a couple times, but he yeah. doesn't strike me as a CCT either, man. Like this mindset of like somebody being a superhuman is not the reality of those situations. Like I think people, you know, can be either really, really dedicated to that idea for a short time or not. Mm-hmm. And I also think a lot of it is honestly like your health. Like a lot of people get injured, like they roll an ankle or they break a wrist or something like that. Yes. And a lot of it is just being lucky enough to literally survive it without your body getting injured. Yeah, dude. Like, but that's kind of creepy to me. Like, not necessarily in a bad way, but it's like there's such an aspect of fate to it. Sure. 
because so like that's kind of weird and then also because you have to think about like what are the what about the people that are just like the most elite top tier athletes in like the united states that don't ever try to make it to that course because right. you know the attrition rate's 90 percent, but right. you know part of the problem with the air force i think last time i checked the air force is the only branch well and the navy the air force and the navy is the only branch where you can that can be your first job is a special operations job Right. Like all the in the army and the Marine Corps, you have to have like a regular infantry job, and it doesn't have to okay. be infantry, so you and you have to work your way cool. up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, first like, you go to uh, infantry, like, then you go to. Who the guy who listened to that? Did I show you that podcast? The uh, Vietnamese SEAL? No, no, he's a Vietnamese Green Beret. Yeah, yeah, you. Sh- yeah, I listened to one episode. Yeah. What was his name? Oh, well, I could, we know what I'm talking yeah. about. He had to yeah. do the same thing. He went infantry, then he went um, uh, paratrooper, then he went ranger, then he went Green Beret. That's, yeah. a, that's quite a progression. Yeah, it is. But, you know, there's a – I just always thought it was kind of creepy because there's an aspect of fate. And, uh, you know, they, they, they definitely pick up some, like, really cool stuff along the way. And the, every one of them will tell you it's more mental than it is physical because a lot of the podcasts I've listened to, they talk about how weird it is when on, like, the second day of selection or whatever, the most ripped dude in the class, like, self-selects. Like, he leaves, he quits. Or the fastest dude, the one that, like, runs laps around everybody, and this person's like, oh, you know, every morning I woke up dreading the run because I was always last in the run. But then the number one runner in our flight, you know, he dropped out. So uh, it is way more mental than it is physical. But, yeah, there's, there's almost an aspect of fate to it on, like, well, because, you know, like, you could get disqualified for something weird. Like, you can get disqualified for not having depth perception. Right. Um, there was a civilian at Thule. He uh, he was a contractor, and uh, but he was prior Air Force, and he was in the pararescue pipeline for, like, two years. He was a couple months away from graduating, and uh, he was in a motorcycle accident, and he uh, completely broke his arm in half. He still had a scar on his forearm where he said a bone was coming out of it. So, uh, yeah, he made it that far and didn't make it through there. I mean, assuming the story is true. But... <laughs> well, but yeah, but yeah, it is weird how there's such an aspect of fate to it. It's pretty crazy. I had a guy at, at, at Fort Lee who switched into air transportation. His name was Fahey. And he was he was a similar situation. He already made it through selection. It's been over a year in the pipeline, and he broke his ankle jumping jump out of an airplane and parachuting down. And yeah. somehow, whenever he landed, he like rolled his ankle wrong and broke it, and like that was enough for them to kick him out. I was like, dude, I'm so fucking sorry. Like, I know you have to hate this. And he's like, yeah, I'm just trying to get these years done and get out now. He's like, this is not what I planned on in the military, you yeah. know. I'm like, sorry, bro, that sucks. But, yeah, that's very, very, very unfortunate. Dude, well, I mean, they go in, they kind of have to also know that, like, that there's a possibility and they have to be okay with their day to day life if they don't end up getting in those slots. For sure. Think about all the lost souls that, like, tried to quit basic training or got hurt in basic training and they were yeah. put in med hold for months. Yeah, those poor bastards. Stupid. Well, that's that's their fault. I honestly don't feel that bad for them because it's like you sign your life away and you do all, you make that commitment and then you back out of it, like, slightly. I mean, people really med holded. But, you know, like most people in med hold, I think, want to be there. They at least don't want to be in basic anymore. Right. But, you know, so, yeah, not necessarily I like, feel sorry for him, but just how like that entire time that was like a possibility for us. You know what I mean? Sure. Like we could have like we could have really wrecked our knees accidentally yeah, instead yeah. of rolling an ankle. We could have had a knee pop out out of place yeah. and that would have put us in med hold for like six, eight, nine, you know, a year, you know, months to a year. Yeah. So like we're actually. Yeah. So not. Yeah. So crazy to think about. Um, there was a girl that went to high school with me that went did that. And she, her, she's like on veteran day, she always posts and like, it's like, shout out to everybody else. She like got stuck in med hold, you know, and stuff. And it's like kind of sad, but interesting, but I feel bad for her. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's mostly a choice. Cause you know, I don't know about you, man. My recruiter told me if your knee hurts, if your shin hurts, do not say shit in basic training, get through it, go to tech school and then tell them. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. I was given similar advice and yeah, I'm glad. Uh, because yeah, I'm glad. Do you remember uh, Haymar? Uh, I think so. He was the like chubby, like really wimpy kid. He wasn't that chubby, but yeah, he refused. He wouldn't go to med hole. Oh, he's the one who slept, or he like he got that like pass. He was stuck in the dorms for a while. Oh, dude, for ninety percent of basic training, I think the only PT test he ever took was, or I think the only time he ever did PT was the final PT test. That's he was on a waiver the entire time. Yeah, he didn't no want to shame. go to med hold. No he was shame, good. no pride. You gotta, you gotta respect it. He gets through life though. He keeps surviving. Doesn't look good doing it, but at least he's living. Dude, it was insane. And in tech school, he was, uh, 
he was flying really high. He was getting 341s pulled for excellence every day. And everybody, yeah, dude, everybody, because most of our flight went to that tech school. So we're all yeah. just like, we're, we're all telling our new friends that like, you don't understand. This guy's the worst. And like all the, even, even all the girls in our sister flight, because uh, there was a gang of them too. There was a bunch of them. They're like, yeah, we know about how bad this guy is. Um, you know, and uh, people would make fun of him. He was always eating, he would eat ice cream for like every meal in the defect. Everybody would be like, look at him eating his Snickers ice cream. He makes us sick. And then one day he just quit uh, tech school. So I was there when he quit. You were there whenever he, you know, graduated basic training, but I was there when he left the Air Force. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty um, cool. I was reading this. You made me think about this with the ice cream for some reason, but I was reading this thing today. This guy in California, he was a prisoner serving life sentence for murder, and he murdered two child molesters recently in January. Did you hear about that? I did not hear about it. So he wrote a letter. They haven't even formally charged him yet, but he wrote a letter basically saying what happened. And they guess they, he was a murderer. They moved him from like a category three to a category two, which was essentially like for less violent people. So he's going to be in more of a general population. And he was like, that's not a good idea. You know, I don't like uh, the pedophiles and stuff. This is a true story. Like I confirmed all this, but I've read the letter he wrote. Um, so they put a pedophile in there with them and the guy showed up and he like turned on PBS kids and I guess, like, the pedophiles in prison do that and, like, try to watch kids' shows and stuff. And, like, it's kind of, like, really, like, I guess all the other prisoners took it as, like, really disrespectful and were starting to get really mad. And he beat him to death with a cane. And then he was, like, walking back to tell a guard what happened. And he saw another child molester also and was just, like, what the fuck and beat him to death with a cane, too. Just like, no remorse. He's, like, I just thought, I was, I was already screwed and in trouble again. I thought I would at least help everybody else out and take one more person out. But I was like, you know, I wish there was some kind of – I don't believe in the death penalty, but I would send that guy some money. I would totally donate to his commissary check and be like, you know, buy yourself a sandwich, guy. Well, you know, I mean like, yeah, ish. Um, it's Yeah, it's impossible to feel sorry for the child molester. But at the same time, I think like what Cain uh, Velasquez did, uh-huh. I think if if it's before it's in the hands of like the authorities and stuff like that, that is 110% fair game. That's how it should be handled, fair. if at all possible. Yeah. But once, you know, once they're in jail and stuff like that, because I'm a libertarian, I believe, you know, like just pedophiles, rapists, murders, and thieves are the only people I'm willing to pay to keep locked up. So, I mean, I think yeah. that's – and, you know, if they're alive, actually, I think that's a worse fate than uh, getting killed. But, uh, that's true. But no, it's impossible. You know, it's, you don't feel bad for the child molester in that situation. Well, I definitely like the idea of just keeping them all together and like letting the letting things sort each themselves out. And if if citizens want to donate to people who beat up and or kill pedophiles, then I totally support that. That's a voluntary system. That's a voluntary death penalty, and I like it. Sorry, that's not a voluntary death penalty. That's a voluntary uh, license to kill. That's the opposite end. A voluntary death penalty would be like euthanasia like well, they're still going to face the consequences from the state for that murder i don't think that the law should go away that prevents them from murdering that guy but i'm totally cool sending them some money to buy a subway sandwich after the fact subway and, sandwich or whatever they want from the commissary i don't know what they sell in prison commissaries i hope they have subway but i'm, I'm cool with the idea of crowdfunding already life sentence murderers to kill pedophiles I do they have food courts voluntary solution to the problem is it like a BX? Do they have a Subway and a Manchu Walk and a Taco Bell? <laughs> Charlie's. Yeah, Charlie's. Uh, Robbins. Uh, Johnny Rockets. No, Johnny Rocket was just Ramstein. Act like you've been somewhere. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. And it's gone now. That became a Wahlburger, and Mark Wahlberg went there. No, no Monster Burger? Not there. You can go monster. get a Wiener Schnitzel instead. The Monster Burger was only there. They invented- only at Ramstein? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a guy who worked there, and his name was like Jim Monsterburger or something. And it was on his name tag, and he came up with the idea of it. But that shit was the bomb, dude. Eggs on burgers. It's like, mm, I'm so hungry right now. I just ran. Anyway, we'll stay on topic. Um, Which is what exactly? That's a great question. Military life. Dude, so have you have you heard from your job, first of all, and thought any more about Reno? Let's plan, let's plan as if you weren't going to get the job, like not to jinx you, but let's say – that happened. What do you think about Reno? I still wouldn't necessarily want to go. Okay. To hang out with me and Lema and Ben. Okay. First of all, you would not hang out with me very much. Neither would probably, you guys are all, first of all, you're in the feces cuckus. Second of all, you're probably all three delegates, right? Yeah. 
So we'll be yeah, busy, right? Yeah, exactly. You guys you're will be right. busy. And I mean, like, dude, I would, uh, you know, I love Bo, and I'm sure I'd love Kalen. It would be a really cool to hang out with them for that amount of time. Um, but, dude, just at the same time, like, I don't think I'd enjoy convention nearly as much as you do. So just kind of like, I don't think uh, the way my bank account set up, I think that's just crazy talk. Fair enough, bro. Well, I respect it. It is not for everybody, and you're right. You'd be kind of probably bored during all the delegate stuff, so I don't blame you one bit. But I think it'd be a cool experience. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff to do. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, yeah, dude, next time, what, two years from now? Or not Uh next year, but the next. um, Right. When uh, the Veteran Caucus will have, you know, like a table, uh, whenever we have more going on. uh, Yeah, we will. Yeah, for sure. I'll be at that one, obviously. But um, to me, it seems like conventions. Oh, and Jenny's going to Reno, too. Uh, yep. Sorry, I'm going to miss you, Jenny. I guess I'll put your comment up so everybody else knows what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking to myself, but it seems to me that convention is just solely for people who want to be in the room. And, you know, those are some of my least favorite people. Yes, but it's also where we find out who belongs in the room. And I think it's important that that process exists and that we have those conversations and we hash those things out. And I'm excited to fight because, you know, the best part about conventions, the debate, and I can't wait for all that. Um, but anyway, it's going to be a little hostile. Um, hopefully everybody can honestly get on the same page. Cause I don't want to fight about, I don't want to fight about division between Mises and not Mises. I do not True. Fucking talk about that shit. I want to talk about like big things, big fights that we can do. True, dude. I didn't realize until kind of recently, like, as excited, you know, I've heard about the Mises takeover, you know what I mean? Reno sure. 2022. But as excited as they are for that, there seems like there's an equally excited, like, opposition force to that. Right. Especially with this new Tom Woods grooming thing. Have you have you read into that? What do you think about it? Not good, dude. But, you know, like, that's... I am an anarchist, like ideologically, like I think this is all stupid. I think this is not how we should decide what's okay, what's not okay, how we live our lives. Just ideologically, I'm an anarchist, but politically, I'm a libertarian. I don't, I mean, I can't really wrap, I can't, if someone's just a straight up anarchist, I don't understand why they're in the party, because the entire point of a political party is to get political candidates elected and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, What do you mean? I'm a straight up anarchist, but I've got work to do to get there. No, you say you are. I think. Where, where do you think I want the state to exist? Well, dude, exa- but there's not any libertarian. Whether like, I don't even think like Spike Cohen would. Ab- he would abolish a lot of stuff. Spike Cohen would be great. But like anybody that would, I mean, can you name anyone that would like run? Can you name anyone in Oklahoma that would abolish like the government to a, a level to where it would like basically not exist? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you're not running for governor this year. Well, right, but I'm not saying that not other people aren't anarchists. I'm saying I am an anarchist philosophically yeah, and, and ideologically. And do you see what I'm saying, though? Like a libertarian, no. a libertarian is basically a really, really white pilled anarchist because you believe that you know. Oh, you, in the you, political process could work. Yeah, Especially, yeah. Political I don't even process. know that I completely believe that. I just believe that this this process of spreading this message will work. I don't necessarily believe that we're going to achieve it through political means. I think that this shit might get really shaky and, and break up a lot. Um, I see like secession as more of an option, um, alternative systems, alternative system of governments, alternative economies as an option, basically agorism. Um, and who knows, hopefully never violence, but you never know if we have to like declare our own independence, basically, you know, right. I'm cool with that too. But, but I don't necessarily see us just voting our way out of these things. You okay, know? but you see, that's what, I think that's the vast majority of libertarians for you know a huh. huge for a lot of reasons because not ever like obviously, I mean, what's the name of this podcast? We know that you know a lot of libertarians are just disenchanted with their parties and they're sure. not fully on board with you know they're not fully on board with the movement. True. Um, you know they don't really love freedom. They don't really care about freedom. They still live True. with like a lot of fear and their status and they're nationalists. So that's part of the problem. A lot of libertarians aren't even libertarians. But uh, anyways, as far as the Tom Wood stuff goes, like I think it's inherent libertarians don't you know nothing i mean at least it's not ron paul you know i mean at least it's not ron paul but i mean it's kind of like if you see what i'm saying like it's it's an imperfect system so of course there's going to be stuff like this that comes up you know what i mean if it was right. ron paul i would be heartbroken tom woods yeah. um i don't agree with it at all i saw a lot of people saying well it might have been legal in the state that he was in there are a lot of cases where just because they were dating like you don't how do you define dating? If they were right. having sex, then it might not, you know, then it wouldn't be illegal. If, if it's not illegal, then is it okay? I lean all the way towards no. 
I think that's not okay. But at the same time, I don't know, a few hundred years ago, like what people would get married when they were like 12. Um, but I think the, but I think the point is though we've evolved past that. Like that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, we recognize why that's wrong. Yeah. We're, we're well evolved past that. So if not, if not purely objectively wrong to like get married at 15, it's not valuable for a 26 year old. But here's, here's where I stand on the issue because here's the thing. I, I, I see the way you're analyzing it. If I were to analyze it as believing that everything that everybody accuses him of is true, then I would analyze it the exact same way. And I would personally have no respect for him because I think that a 26-year-old who goes after a 15-year-old is fucked every Is that the time? Is that the age difference? Yes. He was 20. Wow. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Here's the thing. There's no evidence that anybody's provided yet that's proven that they were actually like dating and had any kind of like dating relationship. They knew each other when he was 26 and she was 15 and he was a tutor. And then they started dating in in adulthood later, supposedly, when she was also in her 20s. Um, so I'm not sure that that actually constitute grooming. That kind of thing can happen in life. Like you never know. That doesn't necessarily mean he was grooming her the whole time. So I think sure. if we use that word and accuse that word, there needs to actually be substantive evidence that proves that that action took place. So until somebody shows me, oh, here's a letter he sent to her. Oh, here's a witness who saw him like touching her, putting his arm around her, you know, coaxing her. He was over at her house all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of things. Then I would believe that. But because there's no evidence, this really sounds like, Somebody found out he married a girl he tutored when she was 15, and then they just accused him of grooming, and that's it. We have no idea what the actual what happened behind closed doors, what happened during that time period. Um, yeah, so I, I don't like the whole jumping to that conclusion part because nobody's been able to provide a single piece of evidence that showed that that actually happened. And I'm not For okay sure. just crucifying someone because their life circumstances are kind of weird like that and could point towards that. If that did happen, sure. I'm completely with you. I don't think that's the kind of person that I would want leading our party. Um, or speaking to it, but I don't think as libertarians that we should believe in due pro- we should believe in due process enough to not hang him to dry when we don't know for sure. We should we should rely on facts and reason above our emotions. And I feel like the crew that's pushing this is being very fucking emotional. And there's a lot of people who I thought were principled and it's embarrassing me. Um, not you. I'm sorry to. No, definitely some people, not. Me. Some people are really hard committed on one side of it. Who I used to think were really principled, logical people. So I'm sad to see that. Dude, I shouldn't say that because it just kind of adds to the hysteria, but it kind of makes me, uh, it kind of makes me nervous. Like, how do you say it? I think thou protest too much. People are being like awful sus and like going, some people, uh, are a little bit sus when it comes to like how many pedophiles they want to put through the wood chipper or what constitutes grooming and what doesn't like, there's a line between like, yeah, we're going to protect our kids full stop. You know, there's not a gray area there. You know what I mean? Like, and then there's a fine line between that and then someone like overcompensating to where it's like, oh, I could never be a pet. You know what I mean? Agreed, dude. Like if you're making a lot, a big to do about like maybe not something that doesn't deserve all the fuss. Yeah. Whenever people are wearing like, you know, t-shirts that are like, um, I kill child molesters or something like that, punch a child molester, or they're very like, very always talking about wood chipper go burr. I agree. I feel like there's like some kind of thing that there's a possibility they're compensating for, but you also never know. You know, if I was, if my daughter had been molested or something like that, I might live completely dedicating my life against about, you know, or toward killing child molesters too. Um, so, so, you know, you don't know everybody's circumstances, so I don't want to assume that. But I do think there are people who try to be so um, pro that because they're probably trying to hide something or compensating some for something. And I feel like sometimes that shines through, unfortunately. Um, I hope those people get help and, and never hurt anybody. Yeah, of course, man. But, hey, the good news is, because I know we're about to wrap up, the good news is there's a group of gentlemen that run like a uh, – it's like this private server. OPP? Maybe. What's that? No, not OPP. Oh. Uh, I mean, which, uh, so again, I, I, I like what they do more or less, but someone was saying like, they're all convicted felons, um, which I mean, oh, I don't have, no, of well, course not, but, for nonviolent crimes. And no, of course, like, dude. But what they were saying is they're like convicted felons and they kind of, this they kind of get off on like getting other people in trouble. That's what I uh, think, bro. That's what I don't enjoy about them. And I told Jess, this is like, they're sadists. Like it's, it's the fact that like, they really are enjoying the process of kind of torturing this person in front of them. And I get the idea of like ruining their life, but like when anybody administers justice, you should not, you should not try to enjoy it. You should not let yourself enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, you should definitely not indulge that. And I think they basically are like sitting there beating up child molesters while jacking themselves off. And that's like pretty weird to me too. 
like you you should like a man knows when to um hold your hand on something's throat without taking pleasure in it and i feel like um you know what i mean if like killing something i yeah if don't I disagree with you that i wounded i'm not uh-huh. going to enjoy that process but i'm going to get it done quickly and put it out of its misery and i feel like um men who don't realize that and who enjoy that sadism are, are not like the people I want protecting. Sure. But um, there's, there's a group of guys that have like a private server. Um, that's just a registry of like every sex offender that has a public record and they have it on this private server. And like, if anything ever happens to them or if uh, the big igloo ever comes around or something, they release that, but it's awesome. like super. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's pretty good cool. news to end it on. You know, you should send me, you should send me that if you have any info on that. I, I don't, but I'll look for it. Okay. Well, thanks, bro. Thank you to all our incredible viewers. I will be back here with Bootleg tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Um, it'll be a pretty short show because I've got a cool XCOM meeting because the OKLP is deciding who we're going to put in races this week. We're waiting to see who files by tomorrow night, and then we're going to decide who to put up for um, different positions um, for ballot access. So that's awesome. I might be running for labor commissioner. Most likely will. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's still on. Yep. Great. So I'm excited. Uh, I won't put too much effort into the campaign probably because honestly, I don't think that I would make a fantastic labor commissioner. I don't really um, like labor laws actually, but maybe that's why I'd be a good one. Um, So anyway, but anyway, that's what we're going to do. So follow the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus on Facebook. Follow the Oklahoma Libertarian Party. You can also go to electnataliebruno.com, donate to Natalie's campaign. She's going to be filing this week um, in, well, now I'm not going to ruin that surprise. Any plugs, bro? Um, the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus on Twitter and on Instagram. And on Instagram and Discord. And well, Discord. thank you, Jimmy, for being here. Always a pleasure. And we will see you guys later.